listening to episode 30, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're talking with Don Everts about his latest book, The Reluctant Witness. Don Everts is the content development manager in the Global Ministries divisions for Lutheran Hour Ministries. A poet and preacher at heart, Don speaks at conferences and churches across the country, inviting skeptics and believers alike to gaze at Jesus and be thrilled. Don spent the last 10 years working in the local church and the 14 years before that working on the college campus with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Whether in the church or on campus, Don has walked with non-Christians as they discover the person of Jesus and has worked with Christians in being able to fruitfully do the same in their own relationships. There are always reasons we don't share our faith with someone. These reasons may or may not be true, but we can usually justify them in some way. When it comes down to it, spiritual conversations can be scary. You may be an introvert who doesn't like talking to people. You may be afraid of rejection and public shame. Or maybe you just don't know what to say. In this chapter, Don summarizes and debunks five myths he's found people believe about spiritual conversations. So whether you're afraid of talking to someone or you just don't know what to say, Don has some good news for you. And sharing your faith may not be as difficult as you think. When it comes to why we're having less spiritual conversations today versus uh, 25 years ago, um, fear must play a large part. Yes. role in all of this thing. Again, we are, it might've been one thing to sort of bang down or bang somebody over the head with our Bibles in, in the fifties, because they had a much, uh, we, we had much more in common as far as our worldview went, it was yep. much more yep. Christian oriented. And so maybe that, that sort of approach was more appropriate. Now, if we do that, we're going to scare somebody away or make them yeah. um, angry, put them off towards Christians on and on and on. It's not wise. Like you were saying, um, but you also debunk five myths in the book for why we're not having yeah. as many spiritual conversations. Can you walk us through yeah. what these myths are and why we're falsely believing them? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just a note on fear generally, that is the number one reason people give for why they don't have more spiritual conversations. It's fear of offending people because our culture generally is narrated, narrates against sharing your faith. But individually – like actually talking with Christians or non-Christians, people enjoy spiritual conversations. So, and even non-Christians, I mean, they have a good time. So, yeah. and that gets to the myths. So, so like one myth is that uh, spiritual conversations happen in special places, uh, in special moments by special people. It's a pastor, maybe it's in a church, maybe the sun is coming through the clouds in a certain way, you know. And actually what the research tells us is that uh, spiritual conversations, people prefer to have spiritual conversations with friends. They, they don't want to have them with a pastor. They want to have them with friends. They, and, and they want to happen in everyday life. You know, so, um, uh, and so that feels less scary, right? It's like they, they want to interact in everyday life with people that they already know. Um, we have a myth that uh, all spiritual conversations are serious and sober. Uh Actually, that's not necessarily the case. So the majority of Christians and non-Christians, when they were asked to describe the last time they were having a conversation with someone about their faith and they don't share the same faith, one of the activities that came up in the majority of all, all these folks was laughter. Like that was one of the stocks in the research. 
Uh, and it's not like sarcastic, derisive laughter. It's not like genuine laughter. They were enjoying themselves. It's, it's not always serious and sober. Uh, we have a myth that uh, Christians think, if, if I'm going to talk about my faith, I have to be ready to give like the right answer to every question that they have. I have to be like the guru on the mountaintop with like the pristine bumper sticker, perfectly accurate, confessionally faithful answer. Actually, what the research tells us is that people don't want pristine answers. They would rather have like rather than a guru on the top of the mountain, they would rather have like an awkward Sherpa kind of walking alongside them and kind of like, well, here's my question. And, and, and that we would say, what a good question. Let, let, let's explore the Bible together for some answers. And here's how I go about answering that. Uh, and so they don't you know, we don't have to be afraid of like having the exact right answer. Uh, the, the other assumption we have, and this was a big one that I carried m- much of my life, even as a minister and campus pastor, was that um, that it, spiritual conversations always involve conflict and that conflict always ruins everything. Uh, you know, I'm allergic to conflict. And, and, and actually what we found, you know, when we asked Christians and non-Christians alike, uh, think back to the last time you had a conversation with someone about faith where you didn't share the same faith. And I would expect, okay, this is based on me and my myth (laughs) that I have. I would have expected like 85 to 99% of the people to say, oh yeah, there was conflict. Uh, It actually, it it varies on uh, age and demographic, but the numbers are more like between 5% and 18%. And here's the really interesting thing that, that, uh, people were asked, are you glad you had your, your most recent spiritual conversation? And, and the, the uh, really smart people at Barna, they're able to crunch the data. And what, what they found is that someone's answer to whether or not there was conflict did not move the dial on whether or not they were glad they had the conversation. And the majority of all Christians and non-Christians are glad they had their most recent conversation, even if there was conflict. And so that myth is busted. Uh, and then the final one is just that overall that spiritual conversations are pain and regrettable and uncomfortable. The top two emotions – that Christians and non-Christians gave when they were asked, when you reflect back on your most recent spiritual conversation, what did you feel? The top two feelings that, that both groups had was peace and joy. Spiritual conversations are actually delightful. And, 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 and uh, that's what the data tells us. Yeah. What do you think people are trying to get out of these spiritual conversations? That Like, why are we walking away with that peace and joy, what do you think is being added to the person? Like whether or not, I mean, obviously if somebody like comes to salvation, then obviously then there's, there's a reason there, but I'm imagining most of these conversations aren't ending like that. So even if there is conflict, why are people walking away with those? I think it's because, um, we as humans were designed by God to be in relationship with him, with other people and with the world around us. And so having like a, non-surfacey conversation with someone, I think we're wired for it. Uh, the, the one piece that did, that was referenced by the researchers at Barna, uh, it wasn't a part of our study, but another study they did, uh, was, was that, uh, people are actually more uncomfortable with, um, uh, surfacey conversations, like their satisfaction after having like, you know, cocktail conversation <laughs> is actually really uncomfortable for people. So I I think part of it is uh, – I'm raising my hand on that one. (laughs) I think part of it is we're designed to get deep with people who we trust. 
and and you know it releases the oxytocins or whatever happens neurologically like we're, we're made for it yeah and and you know I'll, I'll point out like introverts like we don't usually like to get up in front of large groups of people especially if we don't know and we're not as comfortable and all that sort of stuff but the we also hate generalizing here mm-hmm. those surfacey level conversations oh yeah like again i would much i'm much more comfortable with sitting next to somebody in silence rather than having to make small talk about something that neither of us care about which and, would drive most extroverts just up the wall yeah exactly <laughs> it, it would and you know i think there's a place for that and, and so god bless them i love them sometimes but <laughs> but i do there is that deeper satisfaction that comes from it and i think you're right we all crave it and especially in today's world again when in social media and we're only talking in 260 characters or whatever Twitter's up to now. And it's like, man, to actually be able to like dig into something in a real honest way where you're not, yeah. it's not judgmental. You're not criticizing somebody for their beliefs, but you're, you could disagree. And it's like, man, tell me about your experience with that. How did you get there? Like, I'm, I'm genuinely interested. How did you get there? Yeah. It, it really, it does. It brings life because you, you come away, even if your beliefs are not changed in that moment. And I'm more and more convinced that most of our conversations aren't meant to change anybody's beliefs in those moments. It's, it's the time when we leave and the Holy Spirit works on us. That's right. Again, I have been convicted and convinced of things that I have vehemently argued against months or years later because of the spirit working in me like that. So I'm convinced that's not the purpose. And so, but we, we walk away having a deep love and appreciation for the person that God created. It's, it's beautiful. It's human. And again, I'm a card carrying introvert. (laughs) I love having spiritual conversations with people, but doing small talk at a party, you know, that, that drains me. Yep. Yep. And going back to your the first couple of myths, you we we think we have to have these perfect answers. We think we have to have the right moment. That's just gonna yeah. Either we're gonna hear from like hear a voice behind us saying you need to talk to that person, or the the clouds are gonna break and lights gonna shine down and all that stuff. Um, just to speak from my personal experience, and and this primarily comes from what Chris and I've been doing for the last ten years. It's it's really just about being willing to walk with people through life. Uh, I've had some amazing conversations uh, in my office at work just because we were talking about what was going on in life. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've had some amazing conversations driving in the car where we talked about something that really frustrated us earlier that day or something that we saw on the road outside the car, and the conversation just opened up and we were able to go there. But really for me, it's, it's not so much looking for the opportunity as it is being willing to walk with people in life. And if you keep that mentality of, I'm going to this, my faith is a part of who I am and I'm just going to let that be who I am in the middle of these conversations. As you walk through life with people, those things just come up a little bit more naturally. Yeah. And, and, and it's and in particularly in our age where there is a general distrust for the church, you need the warm light of friendship and, and you need to gain a hearing. And, and you do that. There's no magical way to do it. It's through relationship. Right. right. And relationship can't take time. You know, it, it turns out growing on grass is not a good way of having grass to grow. You know, it kind of hurts. <laughs> it has to grow. Let it grow. Yeah. You, you know, and um, and, and, and that's one of the beautiful things, you know, uh, P- Peter, 
remember Peter wrote and he said, always be prepared with an answer for the hope that's inside of you. And then he said, and do it with gentleness and respect. And, and, and I think in our age, when there's so much distrust, you know, some people can say, so give an answer, give an answer. <laughs> Peter said, give an answer. Well, he said, always do it with gentleness and respect. And, and, and that, that happens in the realm of relationship and unhurried conversation over time. It's not about manipulation. It's not about rhetoric per se, although, you know, we want to be careful in how we talk and we want to be purposeful, but it's not about rhetoric. It's not about, you know, you know I can argue you over the line. That's, that's disrespectful and it's ungentle. Uh, and so I think the good news about our, our kind of postmodern, post-Christian moment because of the distrust, we can't get away. We can't, there's aren't shortcuts. And, and, we, and we actually have to love people and be in relationship with them. And, and I think that's a helpful corrective for us. I think we need, I think we need that. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And um, it might be one of the hidden benefits of Christianity being a little bit more out of season is that it, it, it causes us to take our faith and, and our witness a little bit more seriously. We can't just take it for granted anymore that everybody believes exactly like us or has the same worldview. And so, um, although we we're, we're grieved at that, obviously, but it, it causes us to have to live that faith out as we like to have a lifestyle of discipleship right. all the more. You can't and, just be nominal about your, your worldview and your beliefs and get somebody to buy into it. You have to actually live it out and it has to be a part of you. Yep. They have to see that being genuine and authentic and real. Yep. And, and in, in, in the modern era, when you know, when people's question was, does your gospel make logical, rational sense, which is a totally fine question to have, right? And, and classic apologetics was the church meeting people where they were, and they wanted to know, does it make logical, rational sense? You can do that without uh, being known. You, you can do that, you just memorize, you know, have the answers, etc. Well, people aren't, some people are asking that question, but more people are asking the question, does it work? Which is still a question about truth. It's, it's just getting there a different way. Does it work means we can't just memorize an answer. We have to be reflecting on our own living relationship with Jesus and to be able to share about that with others. Because if, you're, if your coworker is asking, does your faith work in real life? And your answer is, yes, it makes logical, rational sense. You're not talking. <laughs> and you're... And you're not scratching their itch. So I think that's one of the other benefits, although it is scary for some people, is like you have to have a living relationship and, and, and be willing to – not a perfect one, right? It's not like you want to shine. People can see through that, right? An authentic, up and down, messy, beautiful, glorious uh, living relationship where grace really is changing us over time. That will help people – understand the veracity of the gospel that we're proclaiming. It's often easy for us to come up with excuses for why we shouldn't share our faith or have spiritual conversations. Most of the time, we get bogged down in knowing all the right things to say. Most of the time, we get bogged down with knowing all the right things to say. But I hope the myths we covered helped you see that sharing your faith doesn't have to be a complicated matter. You don't need to set aside a special time to talk, and you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't even need to have a clever opening line to begin a conversation. Simply live out your lifestyle of discipleship and look for opportunities to present themselves. 
So today, we want to help you prepare to take advantage of these opportunities. Take some time to journal about what scares you about having spiritual conversations. Imagine talking to a friend or coworker about your walk with Jesus, and then write down what emotions you begin to feel. Once you have them written down, you will be able to evaluate and work through why those emotions are cropping up. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Don and his work, check out lhm.org. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Don gives us the key to becoming an eager conversationalist. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 